0: Hello, this is Matt Marone, the worship pastor here at Glen Ellyn Bible Church. You're listening to The Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, July 16th, 2023.
1: Hi, I'm Simone Halpin, the founder and executive director of Naomi's House.
2: <laughs> I'm Grant Armstrong, uh, the adult minister's pastor here at Glen
3: Ellyn Bible Church. What are you laughing about? <laughs> and I'm Kelly Brady, senior pastor at Glen Ellyn Bible Church. Thanks for tuning in today to The Next Level Podcast. Good morning.
1: Feels like you bulked up our... You don't good? like the way I wrote your... <laughs> I wrote in
3: Grant's it says, <laughs> script, Elk Hunter Extraordinaire. When do you have your elk hunt?
2: Uh, September, end of September. Yeah. I leave, I preach the 17th, the morning of, I get in my truck, and I start driving. Same day? Yeah.
1: That's so nice.
2: And you're going by yourself this year, right? Yes, sir. Gonna head out there for two weeks and...
3: You got a satellite phone?
2: Nope. Really? No, but I have an emergency
3: beacon. If something happens i just you know and with a yeah. beacon someone can find you or you can find them they can find me yeah how do they know to be looking i press the button oh and then it sends a signal to who
2: uh a subscription service it's like this global okay
3: come come em- emergency service? rescue
2: service yeah you don't actually want to because it's real expensive if you have to press you that get airlifted but, out of the middle of idaho yeah this,
0: this may be a dumb question but I, as i'm just thinking about like what if you actually do get an elk yeah. Right. You, but but you're far. Well, because you've gone before, and it's yeah.
1: It's now, this is not this is not a dumb question. I'm this doesn't. This logistics. doesn't. Just because yeah. you go elk hunting yeah. doesn't
0: mean you get an elk. Right. It's not like yeah. maybe duck hunting or quail or whatever. Yeah. you are probably gonna. Right. It's very difficult. So yeah. what what happens if you're very high up on a mountain or far out and you do? Mm-hmm. How do you get it back to where you need to get it? It's a great
2: question. They call it quartering. You cut it up into pieces, major muscle groups. Okay, uh, so two, you have to do that there. Yes, two rear hindquarters, muscles, backstrap, neck meat, whatever. Yep. Uh, on average, any given elk takes about four uh, adult trips out of the mountain. So if you've got two people, it's... I can in. do the math. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I can, right? But if you're by yourself... But if you have four people? <laughs> but so it's basically like you can take one of those sections each time. Right, and so you wow. put it in your backpack. Yeah. It's like 75 to 90 pounds, put it in your backpack. You hike out your three, four miles, go back in three, four miles, put another section in, and it's just back and forth, wow. back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. What, you,
1: um, what weapon are you using? To... I use a bow. Okay.
3: Yep. So you get nice and so close. So how do
1: you protect... Nice and close. Sounds, I
3: don't know what to call it, great. the carcass, when you're leaving it yeah. behind from predators?
2: Yeah, I mean, it depends on the area you're in. But by and large, you put it in uh, what's called game bags. they these like oh, they look like a bed sheet. Are they scent uh, sealed? No, no, oh. not at all. They've got to be breathable, right? You don't want your um, okay. the meat to be trapped in that. So, but you hang them in a tree, um, and so they're they're hung up in a tree. <laughs> well, yeah, because you have to bleed them out, right? Like you have to. No, he's hanging
3: no. it to get it out of the way of bears.
2: Yeah. Yes, Wolves, mostly, but coyotes, depending on the area. Um, so, like the part of the country I hunt doesn't have. Very much wolf activity. Rarely is a grizz scene. Black bears don't typically mess with stuff. This is um, what you're telling Laura, right? Yeah, that time of year. So <laughs> now in the spring, black bears go crazy on elk, but in the fall, it's not. What are the chances
1: that you get an elk?
2: Um, I mean, the statistic is only ten percent of hunters are successful every year. Okay. So ninety percent of hunters fail. Among those ten who are successful, ninety percent
3: fail annually.
2: Yes okay, yeah, so there's only a ten percent success rate um ten to twenty depending on the year uh of those ten to twenty percent who are successful mm-hmm. um it's pretty consistently like eighty to eighty five percent are the same people every year, uh-huh. and that last fifteen percent are like once every few years okay do they just know the land better and know where to be and it's just their shot. skill skill level is higher yeah. uh shot not necessarily mm-hmm. the one of the complexities of this is there's many, many moving parts. So you could be in great shape, be a great shot, um, but if you don't know how to elk hunt, then it doesn't matter. You could know how to elk hunt really well um, and be a great shot, but if you're out of shape, it doesn't matter, right? So you've got to put lots of pieces, there's more than those three, but yeah. lots of pieces together. It all has to come together in that mm-hmm. moment. So I would say it's probably the most challenging thing I've ever done, not even probably. It for sure is because it, for me at least, it takes my attention almost all year to have all those pieces lined up, yeah. prepped, Do you typically
0: see one when you're out? Oh, yeah. I, okay, I, you see
2: them. Yeah, I see elk almost every it's single day. It's just about
0: getting close enough.
2: Yeah, it's the, It's. I mean, just like football, it's the red zone, trying to get yep. in there. And then yep. once you're in there, that's really when it's like go time. So just seeing them getting close is like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. But now all of the skill is what actually mm-hmm. comes into play. And sometimes it's just like, well, it's an area where it's, you know, you, you know they're there. I've been like 15 yards from them. They can't see me. I can't see them because the brush is so thick. Ah. Um, or the wind switches, and they suddenly smell you, and they take off. Right there's a there's a million wow. moving parts in that. And you're that using a call method. Are you calling them in? Right. Uh, it depends on the day. Okay. So some, sometimes calling works. Sometimes it doesn't. So I more play to whatever the elk are doing. Hmm. But yes, I've called elk what in. Are and are the elk doing today?
3: <laughs>
1: You know, I hear things like this and I ask myself, what honestly am I doing with my life? (laughs) I mean, there is nothing that I am this like skilled and technical. I mean, this is crazy.
2: Yeah, it's, well, it probably... And you're there
1: for two weeks? Yeah. Every day you do this for two weeks? Yep. If you get one elk, are you done?
2: Yes. Yeah. So kind of the agreement within the family for me to be able to go (laughs) for two weeks is if I get one early, then it's like, get it out quick
0: and come on home. Okay. So... And when he gets back... Conveniently, the next event we have at our church is a date night where you work on your marriage. Oh, <laughs> good, right? Nice.
1: You eat the elk. Oh yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's some of the best meat you can get. Oh. That'll last a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it'd
2: get us through a year
3: probably. Wow. Maybe. Wow.
1: Well, good luck.
3: Yeah. Thanks. Yep. Looking forward to it. See if we can weave this into the, the teachable moments on our podcast.
2: Yeah. yeah, I feel like this is a lot of pressure now. Now every, I mean, I've talked about it from the platform before, but now everyone yeah. knows, and so mm-hmm.
1: I have high expectations. Yeah, we Grant. Yeah, mm-hmm. hopefully
2: I land in that ten yeah. percent this year.
1: Well,
3: I just one. hope you come back.
2: <laughs> Two years ago it was close. So it was going to be the opposite. Not close. Close is an overstatement. What do you mean? Uh, I lost all of my like mapping GPS stuff, (laughs) and I was in a part of a canyon that I'd never been before, and I'd slept over night there by myself, and I came out and had no, I had a guess about which direction I needed to go, but was not sure. So the basic, like, math in my head was, I'll go this way for five miles, and if I don't run into any sort of, like, civilian-type thing, road, power line, I'll turn around and walk 10 miles the other way. Um, How did you lose everything? It was raining, and I was hiking through this really steep mountainside. I fell over, slipped on something, fell. um, It dropped out. Unbeknownst to me, yeah, it It fell out. Then then I'm a mile away. I go to check my map, and all my stuff is gone. My, I mean, it's my GPS stuff. So I still had my emergency beacon. So I was like, I guess if I'm close, but I'd never press that thing. So famous last words yeah. I had that night, the night before it was dark and it started storming as I was walking through these, uh, all these dead trees. And so you can hear trees falling and it's, you know, thunder, you're on the mountainside. It's not always good. Um, so yeah, I found a big pine tree, the biggest one I could put on my rain gear and just went to it's, sleep and sat under the pine tree yeah. hoping it wouldn't fall. Yeah. S- slept there for the night. Um, woke up early in the morning and That's had good to stuff. guess my way out. So That's good stuff. Yeah. It was good fun. Stories.
0: Makes me think of Clark Griswold in the first vacation when he just goes running through the desert. You know, there's got to be a gas station around here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, services. Hey, uh, Kelly, you were up at Poplar.
3: Yeah, loved being up at Poplar. I hadn't been there in a little while. Um, it was a good service. Beth Moss led and singing, and we talked about prayer like was talked about here at 501 Hillside. Um, I was really encouraged, so... Um, Alex the campus pastor closes a service so it, it freed me up to receive people for prayer mm. and Great. a whole bunch of people came forward and a couple visitors first-timers came forward for prayer that's and, awesome yeah oh, I was super nice. that's awesome. thankful one young person came forward for prayer saying that uh, they just hadn't felt as though they could pray and um were super encouraged by the message that Christ is our mediator. And and based on that, we can always pray because of who he is, not because of who we are. And I, I was really encouraged watching the number of people come forward. So that's awesome. That's great.
0: Um, All right. Well, let's, let's talk about it uh, because we have some questions about prayer. So uh, first one, love, love the call to prayer for the lost. Thanks. What would it look like for a more concerted effort to be made in prayer?
3: Grant, you want to jump in? I I felt like you emphasized prayer for the lost, and I was more general. Yeah. in the primacy of prayer, the importance of it.
2: Yeah, yeah. As I, you know, kind of read through Paul, and um, I felt especially this First Timothy passage was saying the the aim of prayer is important. That it was salvation for the lost. So, um, yeah, in terms of what it looks like for more effort. Hopefully, um, it felt a little vulnerable, but that I I hope I modeled it, I guess, a little bit on Sunday of confessing a prayerlessness Mm -hmm. um, for that specific item um, or that goal and then repenting, trying to uh, change your habits, right? Acknowledging it. um, I felt in some ways a healthy like seriousness of sharing that with the congregation um, because then there's a not that the congregation needs to hold me accountable I'm responsible for myself but everyone knows that now and so there's this kind of as I share it with people who are important to me they can check in on that Um, hey how are you doing with that that prayer I know you said it was important to you it's you know that's something you want to engage in so I think confession and repentance to people will uh, encourage you in that direction, will join you in that. Um, And then the real easy ones is uh, we've got the Sunday morning prayer and Wednesday night, all you have to do is, you know, jump on a Zoom link and join in there. Um, And that's a pretty good-sized group, I would say. Yeah.
3: I think there were Sunday morning, there were 12 on the Zoom call. You know, three years ago, or four years ago now, I, if someone said a Zoom prayer call, I would have said, what a waste of time. I'd never do that. I've been stunned at, at how uh, effectual prayer over Zoom is. We have people regularly join us from out of state, out of the country. Um, uh, Beth Afonador joins us from Columbia.
2: Hmm.
3: And so um, I've been stunned at what a blessing it is. Um, so, yeah. So
2: I think those two are easy ones. Um, you know, the other thing that kind of strikes me is all of this is, you can like agree to it mentally and kind of say like, oh, that's a great idea. Um, if you have a relationship with people that you love who don't know Jesus, it suddenly becomes far more real, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so to, f- to think through your kind of list of contexts and just start with some of those people uh, who don't know Jesus and to begin praying for them, um, And I think you're, it's a muscle that has to grow and be worked and Mm -hmm. that muscle will grow over time as you start to put an emphasis there. Um, So start small. It's a lifetime journey, I think. Uh, So yeah, those are some of the the easier, um, maybe more intentional ways to move in the direction of a regularity in your prayer for the lost.
1: I don't know if this question is just for prayer for the lost or if it's... um Concerned effort of, you know, for prayer in general. So if there is a general aspect to it, I just wanted to share a resource that <clears throat> I've been doing this summer that I have absolutely loved. And it's kind of one of those things like, you know, when you love something, you tell everybody about it. Um, it's called Lectio 365, L-E-C-T-I-O 365. And it is a morning and an evening guided prayer, um, through this app. And, it has been almost like a um uh like a reawakening um you know, I wow. don't wanna like over exaggerate the, the emphasis or the impact it's had on me, but um it guides you through a, a like a lecto divinia practice each morning and night, which just means a meditation of scripture. Um and um it has it kind of like guides you through how to pray through certain prayers. And then Mm. it encourages you to pause and to breathe and then to incorporate your own prayer. And it has a scripture that they're going through and it's thematic. So last week was all about the questions that Jesus asked and then meditating on those throughout the week. And then it ends on Sunday with like a Sabbath rest type of rhythm. Anyway, I just want to throw it out there because it, um, it has been so life-giving to me that I've been looking forward to, doing it every morning and night because it so does it
3: just pop up on your phone so it's go time or
1: you know what it you go to it i'm sure i don't i always probably try to turn off notifications alarm or whatever you can do those things yeah but just as i'm waking up in the morning it's what i listen to while i'm drinking my coffee and then as i'm going to bed at night but it's funny because anthony started doing it too and when we were separate like i was in texas and he was here when we both downloaded it and then when we were both together in wheaton again i started playing it and. At bed. And he was like, wait, wait, this is not what I do <laughs> It's like we had different <laughs> rhythms for how we were using it. I was like, oh, I guess I can put my headphones in anyway. Um, I just wanted to share it cause it's been such a, like a, you know, a formative tool that that's you can awesome. right there on your, uh, on your phone. An app. I'm
3: reading a, uh, one of the things I love to do is read missionary biographies. Hmm. Uh, they're often, you know, challenging, appropriately inspiring. And so Malcolm Mugridge wrote the biography, kind of the one of the early biographies of Mother Teresa, Ugh. and to hear her rhythms in prayer. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest excuses I make for not praying is I'm too busy, mm. but when you consider the work that woman got done, mm. um, and she made lots of room for prayer yeah. in her life, mm. uh, I it's a um, it's a it's a significant lie we have bought into. That. Undermines God's goodness in our life when we, when we tell ourselves we're too busy to mm-hmm.
1: pray. Prayer is like everything opposite of what our daily lives oh look like. It it, right. it, it it encourages you to slow down, to pause, to be introspective, to be quiet.
3: It's the pos- It's a posture. I want to say the, but I'll qualify it. It's a posture of. Ultimate dependence, Mm -hmm. because we all have these long to-do lists. Mm -hmm. But when you stop to pray, you're saying, unless he gets this done Mm -hmm. in and through me, it'll not... There's no greater presence, power available to us than that of Christ. Mm -hmm. And
2: You know what's funny about that, too? Maybe funny is the wrong word, but um, that idea of like, it's... In that way, as you describe her, it's simply agreeing with what is already true, that unless God is involved, it's no. not gonna get done. Like that's true anyways. I just don't live like that's it, true. So
3: this is why I believe prayerlessness requires confession and repentance. It is a prayerlessness is a sinful lifestyle. Mm. It's not it's contrary to dependence. Prayerfulness is a demonstration of dependence. And so when we're prayerless, we're in rebellion. Uh, or at the very least I guess we could say resistance but it's it's not submission. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, one of the hardest things I uh with prayer that I had to do was when going through seminary uh was like when I'd begin the work day just to stop and pray. Mm-hmm. Because in your mind you're just like there's
3: so much I've got to get right. done today. How will I get it done? I don't it, have time to do this.
0: There are some days where it's like, if I take any time to pray today, I don't know that I'll have mm. enough, I don't think there's enough time and to get this lie. done. what a lie. It always worked out. Every time I prayed, <laughs> I, got plenty of done, I got plenty done. I was yeah. happy with my work, yeah. and I felt filled up yeah. every single time. There wasn't one time that I made time for prayer where I thought, oh, man, I didn't have if enough time If I could only have that 30 it. minutes back or yeah. whatever. <laughs> Exactly, it, it, that never happened. Um, okay, next one. I, I know that I should pray, but I don't. Can you give a plan, outline, suggestion for how to grow in my prayer life?
2: Yeah, I've got. Something. I heard this thing called Lectio three sixty five. I jumped the gun on that one. Has yeah. it really changed your life? Oh, it has. It's totally impacted me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'll give some thoughts here. Y'all jump in as you something occurs to you. Okay. And I, I actually mean this. Um, I would begin by praying about your prayerlessness. So the, the best place to start is actually talking to God about our desire not to pray. Or you could, you could word it in the positive, God, I want to pray, but I consistently don't make time for it. Why is that? What's going on? And just dialogue with God. That's what prayer is. It's this conversation. It's both speaking and listening. So you're asking him questions. Why don't I want to pray? Why am I prayerless? What lies have I bought into? So the the best plan on how to grow in prayer is to start by talking to God about your prayerlessness. And I'm always amazed at the revelations I get about when I'll take it to him and I'll just kind of lay it out before him, whatever I'm struggling with or stumped by. Uh, Secondly, I'd say, so begin with prayer about your prayerlessness. And and that could include confession or just whatever. Um, Secondly, I'd say, redefine how you think about prayer. Uh, Don't think of it only as something you do before meals, at bed, when you're alone. Think of it in the broadest terms. Try to think outside the box. I I believe singing is prayer. You, you can uh, talk to God through singing. We can talk to God while we're exercising. We can talk to God. So, you know, First Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. So there's this ongoing conversation with your creator and your, your best friend, jesus and so think outside the the normal boundaries um thirdly i'd say um hang out with people that pray um if you want to increase your prayerfulness hang out with people that pray so join back to sunday and wednesday and i should say uh if you want to re- receive the um the Zoom link, just email me, kbrady at gebible.org, and I'll get you hooked up so that you, re- you receive the, the uh, invitations to the Zoom prayer meetings on Sunday and Wednesday.
0: Yeah, and I'd like to comment on that specifically. Um, that's a great place to start because not everybody that logs in and to the Zoom uh, prays. Right. And it's not like listen. it's not like Fight Club, where your first time in you have to fight. It's not that. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> first uh, number rule number one: you don't talk about prayer. No, okay. Uh, you can go to the Zoom meeting yep. and just listen and pray. You know, internally, yep. as a, and and listening to how other folks pray. Yeah, you can
3: grow just by listening, and we, that'd be a great place to start. We have people that uh, dial in on the Zoom, or they. They access the Zoom and they're running their errands for the evening. They're sure. dropping kids off at practice sure. and they're just listening. So would love to have you. Yeah, I'm
1: gonna am I'm gonna I'm gonna What? I'm gonna ask you to add me. Oh good. Yeah. For that very reason. Like the chances of the timing working are probably slim. Yeah. But I would rather just have it in my yeah. Rhythm, you know? Yeah. It's a way to like bond with your church too.
2: Yeah. I wanna say too, um, our most recent baptism, I get to sit down and talk with each of the people who would like to be baptized and um, just hear their story a little bit. And I was struck this year and it's coming to mind now. uh, There this fall before baptism, the the people who I talked to and kind of said, Hey, why now? What's, you know, what's changed in your life or what's, what's the reason to be baptized? Um, Both of them spoke very, very highly of setting aside even a short amount of time to pray and make, and allowing it for it to be a dialogue, not simply, you know, running through the laundry list of, like, needs. and I need this. I need that. Right. Um, which is, you know, a fine place to start. We start somewhere. But um, they, they just said, okay. And they started going for walks, both of them. These people said, we just started going for a walk, 20, 30 minutes. And Love started it. praying. And uh, both people were, like, independent of one another. They don't know each other. They're, like, it changed my whole life. Mm. It changed. I feel like I'm growing more. I'm on fire for this. I'm interacting with God God in a way that I never knew was available and I never want to go back. Mm -hmm. Um, It was really moving hearing Mm -hmm. the conviction and the, yeah, just the uh, substance of what they were saying. It Mm -hmm. it clearly had moved them. Um, So those types of things are always encouraging to me, that it's not just um, this thing we're supposed to do because God says we're supposed to do it that it actually is really life-giving, so.
3: I was thinking about the 20, 30 minutes. That can be overwhelming to people. So I've encouraged people, if if praying for any length of time overwhelms you, like you can exhaust your prayer endurance in, in a minute, and I mean that quite literally. I mean, if, you're, if you've if you not prayed very long, I, I actually encourage people to set their uh, stopwatch on their phone for one minute, and when they... And and after a minute, your alarm will go off and you can be done. The next day, set it for a minute and a half. And you're just, you're growing. A lot of people get overwhelmed by, like on Wednesday night, the prayer meeting's an hour long. And people are like, an hour? An hour? (laughs) And that overwhelms people. But it's stunning how quickly an hour flies. And um, so you can grow in your perseverance, your endurance, your readiness.
0: Absolutely. And don't be... um... Intimidated at all with where you are and, no, and what it is. No, start where you are. Because it, cause it rem- reminds me of uh, when I first started um, working in ministry. It was 2009. And I, I had no really church background. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, you know. And so here I am, I'm on staff at a church now. Been a Christian for like, uh, at that point, like five years, you know, still trying to figure it out. And now I'm working for a church. Our first all staff meeting we go through all of the reports and whatever, and, and then the lead pastor's like, all right, let's pray. Uh, get into groups of five, and uh, we'll pray till he looks at his watch. He's like, yeah, we'll go to like 9.45. And I looked up at the clock, and it was like 9 o'clock. And I was like, what? <laughs> We're going to pray for 45 minutes? No. Oh, and just terror, just filled my box just like oh my gosh here I am in the circle of five clearly I need to pray you got to carry
3: your weight baby (laughs) this is in fact fight club it
0: was so (laughs) terrifying oh my gosh and oh man and then you know the next meeting I was kind of dreading it a little it was still a little and then the next meeting it was a little less and then after a year or two it was kind of like yeah Let's pray for 45 minutes.
3: It's it, one of my little uh, how to establish or grow in prayer. One of my, on my tick sheet here is do some things that stretch yourself. Mm-hmm. Like if, uh, if, if you want to grow, there needs to be an appropriate kind of push or stretch. And so that's what I'm hearing, Matt, in your story is uh, you were stunned <laughs> about 45 oh gosh, minutes. I
0: couldn't believe it. Right. Uh, so, I thought he just misspoke, you know, I was <laughs>
3: He meant nine oh five, uh, no. not nine forty five. Oh,
0: dude!
2: You could also do what my boys do. They figured out a little prayer hack. Um, <laughs> when they pray, they say, "God, thank you for the whole world. Pray for everything in the world. Amen." So
3: <laughs> <laughs> start
2: where you are. Yeah, they they just cover their bases. They're like mm-hmm. all of it. That's you. <laughs> pray
1: for every human.
3: Yeah, exactly. But to stretch yourself, you could add uh, fasting. Mm. It's biblical, uh, and we have an FAQ sheet on our website under resources for fasting. Uh, you could try journaling. Some people are comforted if their if their body is involved in a kind of unique way. You mentioned walking. Um, there's an appropriate distraction, or it anyway, it kind of frees our mind if our bodies are active. But journaling can be the same thing. A lot of people get their thoughts onto the paper better uh, or more easily. Uh, And when you fill a half a page or a page or two pages, you're done. And you set kind of some limits and you stretch yourself. I should also say I want want to make a personal plea that we all learn how to pray in public better. Um, We need to hear each other praying. It's a blessing to hear each other praying. Uh, But that's a real stretch for too many Christians. Mm -hmm. Too many Christians aren't, aren't up for praying in public. And my personal... Conviction on that is because prayer is terribly intimate. Mm-hmm. It's a revealing of my heart, my longings, my doubts, my fears. But there should be an appropriate bearing of each other's burdens in the church, and so we need to to pray aloud with mm-hmm. each other. Uh, fifthly, or sixthly, or wherever we're at, mm-hmm. memorize scripture on prayer. Paul has a number of prayers in the New Testament. You can Google it. Paul's New te- Paul's prayers, um, and. I I've memorized some of those passages just because they help us understand how the early church was praying. Uh, and then I've used Psalms as a prayer guide. The Psalms is full of emotion. And I'll just, I'll literally read, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I'll say, God, you are my shepherd. And, and you supply all my needs. I know because you're my shepherd, I, I don't, I, I won't want for anything. You're gonna meet all my needs, which doesn't mean I get everything I want. But I'll just talk through a Psalm with mm-hmm. my father, um, and use the psalm as a prayer guide. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Something we used to do, and I'm like, maybe it's the spirit now, even convicting me that I'm like, oh, we should bring this back in our household. Um, t- well, first, before I get into that, the um, praying in public, obviously, that you said is very intimate, and it, oftentimes it comes out of this like self consciousness, kind of like you were saying, like the first time you were going to pray for 45 minutes, like it is a intimidating and intimate, and. Um, I can think of plenty of people that I know today still who have been walking with the Lord for years who still hate. Do you ever like notice when you are out with people and someone says, "Who wants to pray?" and nobody? Well, I, I just like the irony of that. Like, why are we not all well, leaping to say,
3: "Yeah, me, me, me!" Right? Yeah, why, why can't yeah, I pray? So, yeah, I like am stunned. There are there are married couples
1: mm-hmm.
3: who the they'll you know they'll make love, they'll share some of the what they <laughs> Keep going. married couples do that. <laughs> yeah. But they, won't, yeah, pray but they won't pray together. And my oh, point is because yes, it yeah, is yeah,
1: tremendously
3: yeah.
0: vulnerable. We just weren't 100 where you were yeah, we, sure where we, you were we going were there. Not sure <laughs> exactly where this was going, but
1: thank you for clarifying. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. That's right. Well, <laughs> Grant, Grant's
3: on the floor rolling around, laughing.
1: <laughs> Whoever sits <laughs> just, in that seat is responsible for helping <laughs> <laughs> for editing <laughs> Kelly. Clarifying <Rain> and
3: Kelly was <laughs> yeah. like 9:30. <laughs> <going for> it. <laughs> I
2: I
1: it was a valid. Simone, point. I interrupted you. Go ahead. Okay, so anyway, back to the praying in public thing. Um, let's see if I remember if I can remember what I was going to say. Um, Are we done? I had a Is the podcast over? No, no. I had a professor in grad school who said to record yourself praying. And listen back.
3: Interesting. It was
1: interesting. And it's funny. It was one of those things that I didn't really apply to myself, but I apply to other people. Like, you should record yourself praying. Because <laughs> you hear oftentimes the same thing over and over. And yeah. so it's like a point. His whole point was to, it will stretch you to not say the same thing and pray the same thing. Like Kind of get out of your habit of... You know the prayer before dinner. That's the same mm. every time. Yeah, God so is I, good. Yeah. God is great. So, good food,
2: f- good meat, good God. Let's eat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to follow back up to the first thing I said about bringing back into my household, one of the ways that we were trying to teach our kids to pray and not pray the same thing every time was to just before dinner or at some point throughout the day to look up, you know, the verse of the day, through the Bible app, and. Pray that prayer, like what, like read it out loud as who, and we would take turns with the kids, read That's it out awesome. loud and then pray that prayer That's for terrific. us, you know, like we have that. fallen out of that habit. So maybe, maybe this is a good yeah, reminder to bring it back. I know, wretched sinners. So anyway, um, thanks for the, the encouragement and the reminder that we should bring that back.
0: And then, you know, I just wanted to give an encouragement, uh, to people who are hesitant, because I think, because I, I fell into this category for sure, and I think a lot of people do. You you don't want to pray in front of other Christians because you don't want to reveal the shallowness of your mm. mm-hmm. the potential sh- shallowness of your walk with God compared to other Christians. Um, you don't want to reveal. Publicly, that you don't pray a lot, and it's and it is, it is obvious if you don't pray, right? Don't but, say
1: that people are gonna get no, no, feel no, worse but, about not praying. No, no, up. it is
0: obvious, but <laughs> okay. here's the deal when, how much, okay, we're all you know, seasoned, mature Christians here, how much does it build you up? when somebody who hasn't prayed much yeah. steps out and says a prayer yeah. and it. it is so simple point. and basic good and point. just a few lines and it's, and you know this is one of the first mm-hmm. times they've prayed. Mm-hmm. How much, how just how awesome is that? I'll yeah. tell you how
3: awesome it is. One of the most refreshing uh, prayer prayers I've ever been a part of was one just filled with swear words. <laughs> so this guy was new to the faith. And so I said, let's pray together. And uh, it was clear he didn't expect to pray, I said, so I prayed a little while. I said, "Now it's your turn. You pray." And all the man knew was swear words. Wow! And it was it was refreshing. It was genuine, mm-hmm. and he wasn't cussing at God. He was he was it was <laughs> swear words were just a part of his normal mm-hmm. everyday language. So it was uh, it is very refreshing. Man, Start where so you're cool.
0: at. It's so cool when uh, when a younger Christian or somebody just you know. Young in prayer uh, steps out and just does it. It doesn't matter if it's three lines. You're, you are and blessing I'll, I'll the, th- the people, the circle of people who are praying. You're blessing those, those
3: and, folks. And it is discouraging to me. I don't know. Maybe I've got sin in my heart. It's discouraging to me when people who've been Christians for a long time appear to pray uh, formulaically, mm.
1: mm-hmm. uh,
3: less than authentic. Yep.
1: Like they're trying too hard.
3: uh, um, Now I'm clearly judging other people's (laughs) prayers. So, but what I what I long for, what we all long for, is to to be together with Christ. For there to be genuineness and earnestness. And there are some sometimes our prayers fall into a fairly formulaic and self preserving posture where we don't offer ourselves to those who are listening. That's why I was encouraged by Grant's confession yesterday. Uh, Folks, we want people in the pulpit who are being transformed and challenged by the word that they're preaching. So there are going to be Sundays, hopefully every week, where the person preaching has been challenged by the word and has found a place where the Spirit said, you need to repent here, confess this. Well, the same is true in prayer. Prayer needs to be this this intersection where we meet with the Holy Spirit, and so there should just be this really authentic, fairly plain language, and I, that's what I'm getting at. If prayer is in the King James Version, it feels less authentic. Is this making mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. All right, well, um, in, the, in the passage that y'all preached yesterday, there is a verse that talks about God's will uh, for salvation. So let's go into some deeper water here, theologically speaking. And here's the question. Why does anyone go to hell? If God wants everyone to be saved, as it says in 1 Timothy 2, four, then why isn't that going to happen? What or who can stand in the way of God's will?
3: Yeah, so Grant, you talked about this more directly when you talked about the inclusivity and exclusivity of the gospel on Sunday morning. I I didn't address this in my sermon at Poplar Creek uh, but I'll touch on it here and you can jump in. Uh, let me just r- start by rereading the verse. Uh, it is a cumbersome verse and, um, and there's lots of opinion on how to answer this, but let me, let me start by just reading it. This is good and pleases God our Savior and the this is prayer. So prayer is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And so the question on the table is, if God wants something, if he wants everybody to be saved, then why isn't that taking place? And I think that we have to, um, whatever we do with this verse, we it needs to be coherent. We need to understand um, that whatever Paul's saying here uh, has to cohere within the larger text. Right,
0: because we know that not all will be saved.
3: Right, we do the know rest that of the not all will be saved because that. Jesus himself talks about hell and that it's populated. There are people in hell. In fact, no one talks about hell more than Christ. Uh, Christ talks, Jesus talked about hell more than all biblical authors combined. So, but not only that, Paul has to cohere with Paul. And in Paul's writing later in the second letter to Timothy, he says something interesting. He's he's talking about those who oppose the gospel. And he says in 2 Timothy 2.25, he says, opponents to the gospel must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. So whatever's Paul saying, God in 1 Timothy 2.4, he says, wants all people to be saved. But then in 2 Timothy 2.25, he says, God needs to grant them repentance. In other words, God's doing the saving. And this coheres with what Paul has said in other places, like Ephesians 2, where we're saved by grace, through faith, apart from anything we do. So God's doing the saving, So if he wants all people to be saved, why aren't all people being saved? And I think what we have to come to terms here with is that the will Paul is referencing in 1 Timothy 4 is a different type of will. It's not what is historically referred to as uh, the providential or the sovereign will of God. That is the outworking of salvation in the world. It's a moral will. And so theologians have typically distinguished between two wills that God has. He has this moral will, and the moral will is the will of complying to his commands. He wills that we be righteous. That, for example, take the Ten Commandments, number five, that I honor my father and mother. That's God's will for my life. But I don't always honor my mom and dad. And so he wills that all people be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. But for that to happen, his providence has to be infused. In yeah. other words, he wills morally that we not commit murder. But we do. Some people do commit murder. In fact, Jesus said, if you hate somebody in his Sermon on the Mount, you've already committed murder in your heart. So there are, there are two wills here at play. God has a moral will, that is that we be righteous. And then he has this providential will that we spend eternity with him in heaven. The moral will, he's given us freedom. The providential will he's exercising. Is this making sense? Yeah. yeah, it's very helpful. Is it is
0: it also helpful to say that God has a desire, but that He doesn't always act out on His desire?
3: Yeah. So, like, if I walk into an all-you-can-eat buffet, I have the desire to eat the whole thing, right. but I don't eat it all. Sure.
0: Yeah. I, just that when you when in using the two and. Obviously, the explanation you're giving is, um, it's, it's, it's been around for a while, right? Yes. We talk about yeah. two different wills, but yeah. sometimes it's, it's hard to differentiate. When, when I hear God's will, I just think of something that's absolutely going to happen because it's God's will. So, it's, sometimes it helps me to think in terms of His desire, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, like, I don't know that God desired that His Son be crucified, but it was his will.
3: It's interesting you bring that up because in Isaiah 53, 10, there's a fascinating verse. I've got it here in my notes and it's to your point exactly. It says, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. Yes. Well, we know that Christ died as he was murdered. So are we to understand there that it was the will of the Lord to have his son murdered? Well, of course not. It was not God's will that Christ be murdered. So but what it, it was God's will that Christ die for salvation of all people. In other words, these two wills of God, God uh, gives us freedom in our morality, but he is exercising his will providentially through the saving work of his son. So it, it wasn't God's will that, that the Roman soldiers uh, murder Christ, but it was God's will that, that Christ's death be a saving work he gave the Roman soldiers freedom, and through that freedom, they put to death the Son sure. of God. They acted in a murderous way. But God's will is that, that we be saved through his death. Yeah.
0: And as we're further trying to understand this idea, there's there's kind of two big camps, and there's a lot of things in between. Um, the two big camps, there's an Arminian view, and then there's a Calvinist view, and the Arminians, Arminians would say something along the lines of, well, God does this because He wants you to, exp- because He wants everybody to have a free will in deciding if they're going to follow. He uh, won't force Himself Christ on anybody. You know. Right, right. So that's one one camp, and then the other camp, the Calvinists would say something like, uh, "No, um, God is gonna is choosing some to save and some to not." Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are sort of the two camps. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, I've wrestled with this for a long time, and i 'm um, more in the in the Calvinist camp of things, um, but that still doesn 't mean that I have every answer mm-hmm. um, I, I read a great um, explanation of what this is going to be like because I think in both camps you 're going to at, in the end see the full picture and it 's going to be to god 's glory mm-hmm. so it 's kind of like looking up at a tapestry from underneath and you right now you 're seeing all of the the dangling threads mm-hmm. of, of sin and stuff and, and all of that, that's what we see now. Yeah. But one day we'll see on the other side of the tapestry, God's the beautiful design yeah. that will be all for His glory. So whether you choose to be on one, in one camp or the other and how to act, talk about it and try to understand it, both what's true for both views and everything in between is at, in the end, it will glorify God and you will be fully satisfied with it. it yeah. You won't be like, oh man, there should have been one more person. Or oh man, like no, that's not going to be your posture. Your posture is going to be all glory to God. That's a beautiful tapestry.
1: I'm, I think I'm following you, Matt. But and I don't know if this translates to Kelly the example you were giving. If there's any correlation to how a parent hmm. looks at their child, specifically teenagers, <laughs> to name a few, <laughs> and want something for them so badly. Hmm. But recognizing, and it's different. This is where I think the analogy breaks down because we do believe that God has ultimate authority, whereas Mm -hmm. that is different when it comes to a parent and a child. Mm -hmm. But but wanting something for somebody else and recognizing that it's only authentic and genuine if they choose it for themselves. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? And you have that influence as a parent to guide and lead. And there's even like extreme of abuse to enforce certain things onto children and beliefs. Um, But then there's also just trusting and for, you know, this in my case, trusting in God's sovereignty, but I'm wondering if there's similarities in the way the parent child relationship.
3: I do think there's similarities in that we can trust in the goodness of God. Mm -hmm. And here's hell is so contrary to the, to the uh, modern mindset, the notion of um, punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it rubs us the wrong way in kind of a unique fashion. But we need to be honest in Matt's tapestry, your, tru- your call to trust. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we need to be honest that in eternity, things will make perfect sense. In other words, when we don't fully understand, uh, we default mm-hmm. to the character of God that we do understand. Um, in other words, nothing about hell and its existence will ultimately undermine God's justice, goodness, mm-hmm. fairness, uh, or his glory. Mm-hmm. To say that we can't fully understand that now is just to admit that we're finite. Right. Yeah. Yeah and that we, we don't see everything. It's, it's simply to admit we're not God, which, you know, we have to do daily. Right,
0: and uh, I get it. Like, some, some folks feel like that's a cop-out, just to say, that's, you know, that's a along the lines of, yeah, well, God's ways like- aren't our ways, and, you know, it feels like you're kind of skirting the, the topic a little bit, but, man, you, I just finished reading Exodus and Leviticus, and one of the things that helps me just try to wrap my mind around concepts like this and around God's holiness which we don't really have a good equivalent for in this in our life you know but when you read through the specifications that Israel had had to go through to construct the tent of meeting and the tabernacle the I, details the things that they had to do so that God could be present, present sure present in yeah. a in a sense I mean he wasn't fully present but yeah. he was he had a presence with them it's it just blows my mind. Like yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here reading is, these things, right. thinking they had to do this every day. Oh my gosh, they had to do this every time they send. Oh my gosh, and it's so specific and
3: precise, man. And like, let me just. We should also be honest with ourselves. If if you're listening as a Christian uh, or a non-Christian, we should. If and you're listening to our podcast, be very honest with yourself. Uh, Christianity is not the only world religion that has a A hell uh theology sure right in Buddhism and hinduism it's it's a reincarnation experience, and those that uh don't achieve heaven that's not what they call it uh, in their paradigms, in their religions, but those that don't uh achieve release continue to suffer until they can earn their way out mm-hmm. the same in islam there is a there's an earnings required and a work required to escape condemnation into hell. Christianity is wholly other than all other major world religions where it's not based on our works, but on the performance of God. Mm -hmm. That is the performance of the God-man Jesus. In other words, we're fooling ourselves if we're saying, well, I don't like hell, so I'm gonna reject Christianity. Well, which world religion are you gonna go to? Mm -hmm. Because they all have a paradigm of punishment. Yep. The beauty and blessing of Christianity is that the punishment is escaped through the provision of God, yeah. through faith in the provision of God, rather than the effort of man. That's, that's really the beauty. Anyone can be saved in Christianity. Mm-hmm. This is back to Grant's inclusivity and exclusivity. Mm-hmm. Both, both the moral and the immoral can be saved yeah. uh, through, through faith in Christ, no one will be lost whom God is saving. So while all of the world religions put the burden firmly onto the shoulders of humanity to escape hell, Christianity is the faith that in which God condescends and bears the burden to save some. So when we get frustrated that in God's paradigm, some are in hell, the good news is those that are in hell are there because God is in charge. And he's perfectly righteous and perfectly good and perfectly fair. And knowing that about his character, we can relax. We can't fully understand it. Yeah. But folks, escaping into nirvana through karmic uh, diligence isn't fully understood either by Hindus and Buddhists. Yeah. They're just kind of running on the hamster wheel of good behavior until they achieve it. And the same with the mercy of Allah in Islam, there's not a definitive Mm -hmm. of how much work has to get done. But in Christianity, we depend wholly on the character of God, and therein we can relax. And so all world religions have mystery to them. I much prefer the mystery that's dependent not on human action and how much is required, but on God's action and his goodness. so good.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're describing love like the ultimate mm-hmm. love. And and it motivates me back to what you were inspiring us to do yesterday Grant about praying for non-believers is I it's it's a kind of a reversal. I desire so passionately for people I know, specifically my kids, to know that love that you're describing it's more than I'm motivated to keep them out of hell. I don't, I can't wrap my mind around hell. Like I know God, I have a relationship with him and I've always heard kind of hell described. It's like infinite time without God. And so it's hard for me to picture that. So that doesn't to me, not as motivating as I want people that I love and care about to know what you're describing this, mm-hmm. this like mind blowing Love that is offered to us because he because he took the ultimate sacrifice so that we don't have to like that is that's so hard for me to wrap my mind around mm-hmm. but I want it so bad I want to live in it and experience it and the and, freedom that yes, comes through that and the that's joy. what I want for other people right. so when I see a passage like this that it's says true for news. other people yes like this good. is life giving this good. is this is freedom this is love and that is what I just that motivates me so much more. And I don't know if that's just like a personality thing or what it is, but like that, the positive part of the gospel, like the love motivates me more to pray for non-believers than my, my fear of them being in hell. I mean, it, that probably should motivate me too, but the love is what captures me and just wants me to share about it.
3: I do think love is uh, a much more uh, healthy and powerful motivator in our lives mm-hmm. than fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but mm-hmm. that's not all there is to wisdom. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that seeing clearly His love for us yeah. is a much more powerful long-term motivator.
1: Because you know what we are right now—like we're we're broken, and we're lonely, and we're confused, mm-hmm. and we're we're frustrated and willful, and willful. And th- those are things that we can we can identify and talk about and discuss right now. Mm-hmm. And the answer to that is the gospel. The answer to that is this love that you're describing. If you tell me that I'm going to be eternally separated from God, I can't even picture that. Like I, that I can't.
2: And frankly, no one can, right? Right. right. Everyone who's alive right now is living under God's good grace.
1: I'm, I'm, I definitely think there's value in thinking about eternity, but I can also tell you that maybe it's just me and the fact that I've been with my kids so much this summer, Mm -hmm. (laughs) just like I am just up to my neck and daily, stresses and anxieties. I have enough right now right. to know how desperately I need the gospel and those around me. Without they, the threat of hell. Without <laughs> the threat of hell. And I'm not discounting the fact right. that it's a true motivator. But you, you motivator, sense how far I
3: mean, we have fallen and how yeah. desperate we are in, yeah. in need of his intervention. Yeah. yeah. And,
1: and, and just the answer yeah. is, in, is in Christ today. Amen. Like Amen. we can experience that today. Mm-hmm. And that, that motivates me. I'm starting to sweat. (laughs) Could be the coffee.
0: Well, we want to encourage you. We want to encourage you, Um, man. I mean, folks have been wrestling with that that verse and these these ideas for hundreds and hundreds of years. And but there's a lot of stuff out there, so don't just let it get you down. Mm -hmm. Like pray about it, uh, read about it, reach out to us, ask questions, like pursue it. You'll grow closer to God as you try to understand
3: what the scriptures Mm -hmm. teach. We have nothing to fear from the truth. Yep. That's right. Amen. I mean, yep. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Christ said. So we can ask, seek, knock. Mm-hmm. We can work hard, be diligent to find the truth, and freedom is what lies ahead for those mm-hmm. who get to know Christ better. So we don't have any reason to to be afraid of what we might find in the Bible regarding hell. Um, yeah. Whether you've been married two months or two years or 22 years, your marriage could benefit from a date night. GEBC is hosting a two-evening event that serves as an investment in your marriage skills and relationship. During these adult-only evenings, we're going to share in dessert and hear from marriage coaches, Barbara and Dr. Gary Rosberg. You can join us for one or both of the nights as you see fit and as it fits your schedule. The first is on August 2nd, 7 p.m., Uh, Barbara and Gary will lead us in a discussion titled Cracking the Code. Couples are gonna leave equipped to better understand their needs of their spouses, have their hearts stirred, their spirits lifted, as they affirm their marriage. And then later in August, August 23rd at 7 p.m., they'll lead us in a discussion titled Kiss and Make Up. Couples will receive strategies for connecting and resolving conflict. Go to the gebible.org slash events page and you can sign up for this great evening.
0: All right, last one. I was struck by how different God's goal for our living peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness stands in contrast to so many lifestyles in the world. How do you think Christians can cultivate a lifestyle of peacefulness and
3: quietness in the world? Yeah, cultivating a lifestyle of peacefulness and quietness is a, uh, it was, was uh, Paul's stated outcome of praying for kings and all our leaders, is that we live peaceful and quiet lives. It's the ideal. Yeah. Um, in all godliness and holiness. So let's make sure that living peaceful and quiet isn't all there is. It's in all godliness and holiness. So there is a peacefulness and a quietness that can be, um, yeah, we just, it, it has, it's coupled to a righteous lifestyle as well. Um, so um, I would, you know, for peaceful, quiet, godliness, holiness, for those realities, for me, it means paying close attention. Uh, to how much time I'm spending in social media. Mm. Uh, When I spend too much time in social media, and social media has its gains, there are positive things to be had by uh, Facebook and Instagram and various streaming services, movies we watch and whatnot. There's positives there, but... It can quickly grow negative, it can quickly go south, it turns up the volume, just the noise in my life. There are more competing messages that I have to sort through, more lies that come my way, and I have to work harder at taking thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. And so I just, for me personally, it's monitor closely uh, social media input so that I can know godliness and quiet.
1: Do you think it's helpful to mention the context of this particular church that this letter is going to? and this, yeah, you know,
3: do you mean just the cultural context? Yeah, of,
1: and just how chaotic it was. Yeah, and occult. So much false teaching. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, of, you talked about that in your sermon. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah,
3: I did in at Poplar Creek. Then I did week one here, mm-hmm, just uh, mm-hmm. the Temple of Artemis. One of the right. Artemis, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Just a giant temple. Um, it it would have been. I think 10 times the size of our worship space, wow. thereabouts. Anyway, it's just a huge uh, complex mm-hmm. of pagan worship with sexual immorality mm-hmm. interwoven into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of false teaching going on. It would have been a really hard...
1: And that was influencing the church, right? Yeah, and the, absolutely. And that's
3: what... He, Paul commands Timothy to mm-hmm. stay back in Ephesus yeah. so that he can stand down false teachers, Right. right?
1: I just think that's interesting to layer over all this very practical suggestions you gave, but to also know that the context of which this is, you know, happen where how it's happening is, um, is that he's he's making that contradiction or that contrast to the chaos and the noise and the cultural influences that are coming into the church, and that's it just tweaks it a little bit for me when I read this encouragement to live peaceful and quiet lives and all godliness and holiness, yeah, knowing I th-
3: that. I think we like to tell ourselves, gosh, it's hard to be a Christian in America. I, I think it would have been much harder to be a Christian in Ephesus. Yeah. When you could go to the marketplace and purchase spells mm. uh, to conjure up the dead or to um, to cast spells on other people, the occult was hugely pervasive in Ephesus. And it's, you know, there are challenges to being a Christian in America, uh, but I think it was much harder in the mm-hmm. ancient world. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. And the only other yep. thing I would say is, I would yep. just add, uh, live a life of service. <laughs> um, I th- I think of how, what the world is calling us to, and, and I just, I think of, you know, we have shows that are called American Idol, right? <laughs> and, and so...
1: It's a good show, just bad name. Right. Just kidding. Right. And,
3: and we, so we just, a lifestyle of service is a godly, quiet, peaceful lifestyle. So find a place to serve.
0: That's good.
1: That's good advice.
0: I want more peace in my life, for sure. That's all the questions we have for you today. Uh, but if you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text next level podcast six three zero four seven four sixty one sixty four.
2: Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith.
1: We love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for our getting to know him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together.
3: Thanks for joining in. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to The Next Level. Boom!
0: Prophecy.